it's time to turn off the cell phones, time to put away all the distractions. Maybe, if you have a smartwatch, it's even time to throw a piece of tape over that face. It's Christmas Eve, and time is standing still for just one moment. It is the time, maybe the only time of the year, when here and now we drift away and are drawn into a story, the story that brings hope, peace, joy, and love. Tonight, we're both here and on a lonely hillside outside of Bethlehem. Tonight, we are here with each other, friends, family, returning students, and relatives from far and away. Tonight, we sing our songs and we listen to the songs of the angels, a whole heavenly host of angels we have heard on high. Tonight, like every night, is new, a never-happened-before moment, and yet it's very familiar. We have been here before, we've done this before, told this story before. There is a way that the story we tell tonight is always happening. Birth and death, intact, weary travelers with no place to stay, babies born, Sudden signs of grace and glory and surprising generosity. The past and the present are closely woven together. And we sense the presence of our eternal selves, our souls perhaps, dancing with our everyday selves tonight. We participate in a tangible sign of grace, communion. And when, at this evening's end, we will experience the radiance and beauty of one another as seen through the eyes of a timeless love. Come, it is Christmas Eve. Let us worship together.
Ezeal. Christmas, the day when love in all its fullness became incarnate, tangible. A love that knows no bounds was found in strips of cloth, tiny arms wrapped tightly, arms that came here to embrace all mankind in forgiveness, to be with us. I invite you to join us in this responsive reading as we read these parts together. Emmanuel, God, God with, with us. us. Here with us as we continue to shine his light into a world that rejects him, a world where many have removed his name from the season, when we celebrate the day salvation came to bring us a forever hope. Here with us, rejoicing in our worship and filling us with his spirit. Hosanna, Anna. glory, glory to, to God in the highest. Christmas, the day peace was made between God and man, the day we became reconciled to God as the Spirit became flesh, the God of all creation became one of us, Jesus. Prince of Peace. Peace is beyond our understanding. Peace that abides in us through the, though the world is filled with trouble. He has overcome the world. He has overcome war. He has overcome death. He has overcome the loneliness and grief some of us feel so deeply during this time of year. So let us take heart. Take heart in our wonderful counselor who understands things that are beyond our comprehension. Jesus, wonderful counselor, upon whom we can cast all our cares, knowing he cares for us. Hosanna. Hosanna. Glory, Glory to God, God in the highest. highest. Christmas the day when the world first saw eternity. The everlasting Father who was, is, and always will be was born into a stable. Infinity born into humility. Yet we cannot fathom this undeserved gift. This gift, unlike the presents we seek this time of year, things that we consume and that in turn consume us. The gifts he bought with his life are gifts eternal, gifts of faith, hope, peace, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Hosanna. Hosanna. Glory, Glory to, to God, God in the, the highest. Christmas, a day long foretold by prophets, a day anticipated by those who believed, a day that has become for us. A commemoration, a mark of ceremony that faintly resembles its real historical value. A mere holiday, a time of observance. Christmas should instead be celebrated in daily spiritual reverence, a spiritual date of birth for us that has no dash to follow it and no point of expiration. A day that cannot be contained by only one calendar square, but moves with us daily in our expression of love toward others, to be throughout our lives a testament of God's eternal love for us. Christmas, a day when the angels rejoiced, May we also ever rejoice in its meaning, and may we be ever grateful for God's perfect gift. For to, for to us, us, a child is born. born. To, to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's a beautiful reminder 
what God is up to, what he's been up to for a very long time. He was foretold since the beginning of creation, promised to Abraham. He fulfilled the covenant made with David. From the very beginning, the how and the why has been unexpected, unrecognized, and even unfathomable. As a baby born to a virgin, betrothed to a carpenter, of the lineage of David, born the town of Bethlehem, the youngest son of a man named Jesse in the smallest, most insignificant towns, perhaps, in all of Israel. He was rejected at birth, only to be rejected again at the time of his crucifixion. It's difficult to imagine a more humble way for God incarnate to enter into our brokenness. Yet perhaps that's the point. His ways have never been our ways. That is at the heart of the very reason that we need him. As contrary as it may seem, as illogical and as irrational it may be, from the position of the lost, it makes perfect sense. Grace expressed in any other way would be less than what is needed. Grace given in any other form would be lacking in power and the ability to transform and to save. We've been sharing the Christmas story this week. We know the details of his humble beginnings, of who he was born to, of the circumstances surrounding it. Yet in the middle of this story, there's a truth that cannot be ignored. When the angels appeared before the shepherds, as the heavenly hosts were praising, the shepherds heard these words in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And that's why we're here tonight. See, in this verse, the, the angel captures two participants. In the message to the shepherds, there are two parties. Both are necessary in order for the news to be good. For unto you, you is plural, meaning all of us, each one of us, every one. The other participant is a Savior, who is Christ. And that is why we're here this evening. This Kairos moment where sin meets Savior. If Christ is a Savior born to us, for us, then we have to answer the question, why do we need to be saved? From what do we need to be saved from? Why would we need a Savior? The short, honest answer is from sin from ourselves. Sin is disobedience to God in actions, words, thoughts, inactions, attitudes, or intentions. We are saved to be and called to be disciples, followers of Jesus. And sin creeps in whenever we knowingly choose to follow anything or anyone besides the one who saves. Jesus grows from that infant into a child, into a young, man, into a young teen. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, we read it. He grows in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. At 30 years old, he will begin his earthly ministry, is himself baptized by his cousin John, emerges from the baptism waters to see the heavens open and his heavenly Father God speak. The Holy Spirit rests upon him, and he hears these words, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now filled and sourced by the Holy Spirit, Jesus spends three years teaching, modeling, loving, healing, and calling those who would hear and receive him. His methods are not of this world. He challenged the misguided religious authorities. They hated him for it. They would in time kill him. Falsely accused, abandoned, betrayed. Jesus was arrested, traded for Barabbas, and nailed to a cross. Upon his death, he was placed in a tomb where the good news became really good news. Three days later, he would rise again. And we now have a Savior that would not be 
could not be stopped. We have Emmanuel, God with us.
Christmas we recognize is coming. But to properly celebrate, we also have to pause and acknowledge why he came. The Last Supper, as Jesus was meeting with his disciples before his arrest, crucifixion, and burial, and followed by his resurrection, he shared in the Last Supper with those that he spent the last three years with. He changed the traditional Passover experience threw them a curveball, so to speak. He told them to remember, to be reminded, 
the sacrament we now call communion is practiced by believers in Christ everywhere. It's the expression of our faith that is universal among Christians. And while communion itself does not provide salvation, John Wesley teaches that communion can serve as an invitation, an opportunity to experience faith, and a means for God and the Holy Spirit to speak to us. It's only appropriate that we share in this sacrament as we celebrate Jesus' birth. This is an invitation for each one here tonight to participate. For some to be reminded. For, for others, perhaps for others to be invited. To experience the reason why he came. Moms and dads, your young children are welcome to participate. We use this as a teaching moment. Explaining to them this Jesus that we celebrate this night how important he is and why he came and how much he loved them. Beginning in the rear of the sanctuary in just a few moments, we invite you to stand. And Beginning in the back, coming forward, exiting your row from your right. From your right, you will come down the aisle, receive your elements, return to your seat from the opposite aisle, entering into your row on the left. Hopefully you understand that. We have a, a big crowd here tonight. It's a beautiful thing. But we're going to share in this moment this sacrament together to be reminded of why Jesus had to come, to be reminded of his incredible love for you and for me. Without Easter, Christmas wouldn't be any, any different than any other holiday we celebrate. Easter gives it significance. So we pause to be reminded, to remember. I invite you to stand and lead us in a word of prayer. The conclusion of our prayer, invite those in the rear of our sanctuary to begin to come forward to receive your elements. We'll share in this sacrament together this evening. Almighty God, you've given your only begotten Son to take our nature upon him and to be born this day of a pure virgin. Grant that we who've been born again and made your children by adoption and grace may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom you and the same Spirit be honored in glory now and forever. Amen.
Jesus gathered around the table with his disciples. He took the bread. He passed it, telling them to break off a piece, to take that bread, eat and to be reminded that his body was to be broken for you and for me. The bread is an open invitation to join Christ in the work, his work on this earth, to continue loving and serving others as he's modeled for us. So let us tonight take the bread eat and be reminded that he came for you and for me. He then took the cup, held it up, and said, this is my blood. For the first time they heard, this is my blood. To be shed for you as an atonement your sins. All that separates us, all that keeps us from Christ, his blood covers up and bridges the gap. The body of Christ invites us into his work. The blood of Christ invites us into relationship. Let us take and drink and be reminded that he came and he died because he loved us. Father, we thank you for this gift. The gift beyond the manger from a wooden box perhaps to a wooden cross from a stone manger to a stone tomb we don't know all the details but we don't have to know them all to know that you came because you loved us a gift we could never deserve or earn you gave willingly so that we could know you Jesus the Lord saves Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the story continues. The shepherds have found the baby just as the angels foretold. We read in Luke chapter 2, verse 16 through 20, the next steps to the story. What difference does it make in our lives when we've discovered the baby at the manger? We read in verse 16, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. These insignificant shepherds, recipients of joy, of the good news, witnesses of the heavenly host, eyes still blurry from the brilliant glory of God, at first scared stiff, then let's go and see. Following the clues they'd been given, perhaps listening for the crying baby amongst the livestock, they found the child wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. So unexpected. What child is this? When they see what the angels told them they would see, they did the only logical thing that makes sense for them to do. They spread the word. I invite you to stand with me tonight. When we receive the good news, we learn that Jesus Christ is our Savior, that he's been born. When we realize that God is with us, our response must be the same tonight as it was then. 
they spread the word. Concerning all that they'd been told about this child, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And tonight, we share the light as a reminder of our call to spread the word. Tonight, we see the power that one flame can produce. The shepherds, as they did then, tonight are helping us again. May we be amazed at what we are seeing and at what we are hearing, because the good news has come. Let us share these lights together as we worship. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin.
darkness of true light. Grant that we who have known the mystery of that light on earth, we also enjoy him perfectly in heaven, where with you and the Holy Spirit he lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. God bless you. May you have a Merry Christmas. Go spread the word. Have a great night. Thank you.